friends, and Merry Christmas. I, I want to say Merry Christmas to you. I'm excited. It is, we're leading into the Christmas season. I love Christmas. I love the Christmas season. I love all the celebration stuff that we do. I love celebrating the coming of Christ into the world. Uh, I love having a chance to share messages about the incarnation and the story of Jesus coming. I mean, it's, I'm just excited. We're here at Christmas season. You'll notice behind me, I got our big Christmas tree. If, if I wish I could pan out so you could see it. I mean, there's a 25 foot Christmas tree behind me. It's probably the biggest Christmas tree we've ever put up in our church building in our worship area. If you haven't had a chance to join us for in-person church and you feel comfortable doing that uh, during this, uh, this pandemic time, come on out and, and see the Christmas tree come to worship and maybe uh, check out the big Christmas tree we have. Uh, I'm excited. We have a lot of things going on for the Christmas season. Pretty soon we're going to have a, a Christmas caroling and, and getting together to have chili dinners and uh, chili dinner and go out Christmas caroling together. We'll have a bunch of people for that and we'll walk around town singing Christmas carols. That's going to be a good time. And uh, we're, we have coming up uh, Ugly Sweater Sunday. Next Sunday is going to be Ugly Sweater Sunday. I'm going to wear an ugly sweater. You're welcome, even if you're joining just online, to wear your ugly sweater and, uh, and, and have fun with that. Today is plaid. Sunday at our church, uh, and we're going to have everyone's wearing plaid, and some people are mad, and so they're not going to wear plaid, but other people are going to wear plaid, and I'm wearing my plaid shirt here because it's plaid Sunday. And, uh, and I'm just, I'm, I'm excited about the things we're doing on Christmas Sunday, the Sunday right before Christmas, we're also having a baptism Sunday. And, and so for some of you, you've made decisions to follow Jesus. You've made a decision to accept Christ into your life, to believe in him. You've made those first time decisions and you just have yet to be baptized and, and maybe you want to get baptized and that would be a great Sunday for you. Maybe to come in person and to get baptized or maybe it's a great Sunday for you to reach out to me and let me know you want to be baptized. I'd love to help you uh, make that next step a part of your walk with Christ. And so I want to encourage you to maybe take part in, maybe enjoy some of the things that we're doing for this Christmas season. You'll notice pretty soon we have the Christmas lights ordered to, to light up our old chapel. I'm looking forward to doing that. Hopefully they come on time. And those of you who are in Vernonia that haven't been able to come in person because of COVID and all the, all the things going on with that, uh, you, you've been maybe wondering when we're going to have lights up on the building. And uh, we are waiting for them to show up. We have some volunteers who volunteered to put them up. And so uh, hopefully we get them soon and we should have that up and going soon. And I just love this time of year where we celebrate Jesus and we celebrate the coming of Christ into our world. And I'm looking forward to leading into that season with you. Well, today, with all that said, we're going to have a, a, another message where we're going to continue our series. And we're talking about why we call this Jesus who comes, this baby who was born. Why do we call him Lord? And in just a few moments, I'm going to share with you a teaching in that series where we're going to talk about why we worship him. And it's going to be a great day. Hey, before we do anything, I want to encourage you, make sure you're hitting that thumbs up button, that like button, make sure you're subscribing and, and make sure you're hitting the sub notification bell so you could be alerted to when new messages come out. And also want to encourage you, if something that's said here today blesses you, I want to encourage you to share it. Send it as a private message. Send a link as a private message. Uh, send it, maybe post it to your own page. Uh, whatever you can do to share it with somebody that you care about, by doing that, you can help us be a blessing to the people in your life with the message of the gospel. And, and so I want to encourage you, make sure you're doing all that stuff. And I also want to invite you to pray with me as we begin today. Uh, I want to pray that God will bless you during this season, that God will help you draw close to Jesus, that he will help you feel good about knowing him as your Lord and your Savior today. So let's pray together and, uh, and ask God to bless this time where we dive into his word together. Let's pray. 
Father in heaven, we're so thankful for Jesus. We're so thankful that you have come into our world, that you, God, have made our salvation personal, that you have made your love for us personal, that you have made your compassion and your mercy personal, that, God, you have noticed us, that you see us in our wherever we are. You see us in our troubles, in our good times, in our bad times, that you care for us, that you love us. And God, because of all that, we worship you. God, we worship you because of who you are. God, you are greater. You are bigger. You are more powerful than anything we know. God, you stand alone as God. You stand above all of this earth, all of the world, all of the powers and authorities, you are above them all. And God, we worship you because we see how big you are and we see how small we are before you. And God, we praise you because you deserve it because of who you are. God, I pray that you will bless this time that we dive into this message about why we worship you. And God, may it be something that helps us want to worship you more, that helps us get to a place where we, we worship you in special ways and we praise you the way you deserve. And it's in Jesus' name we pray. Everybody says, Amen. Well, I want to begin this morning by sharing with you a story I recently heard. I was talking with some friends, some other pastors, uh, and we were talking about the question, what is maybe the most memorable gift you have ever received for Christmas? And while I'm sharing, maybe you could think about a, a gift you've received for Christmas. What's, what was the most memorable gift you ever received? I'm not going to share what mine was today. Maybe I'll share it next week or during our uh, Christmas Eve services. But, uh, but Jake, Jake shared his most memorable gift. And he said it, it wasn't necessarily a gift that uh, was all about something he was going to receive, but something he was going to give. And, and he said it was a gift that took five years in the making. You see, he had this niece who uh, th their families would all get together for Christmas. And this niece, when she was about three years old, he told her that when she was eight years old, that uh, that Christmas, he would give her a BB gun. And for the next several years, she was just excited and looking forward to that BB gun. She didn't forget what her Uncle Jake said. And uh, she would come to Christmas gatherings and say, I can't wait till I'm eight. You know, I get to get that BB gun. And, and Jake said that uh, on her eighth birthday... Uh, it, because her birthday was close to Christmas and they wanted to give it to her before Christmas so she could have it with her and they could play with it together. Uh, on her eighth birthday, he made sure he got her a BB gun. And so she got that BB gun for her eighth birthday and then they got together for Christmas and she was excited, had brought it with her. She's also excited though because her mom had bought Jake a present and uh, Jake opened it up and he also got a BB gun for Christmas. And so that Christmas, uh, Jake and his niece, they they went together uh, to the TV and they watched A Christmas Carol. You might remember the story about where Ralphie wants a BB gun and not just any BB gun, but a Red Rider BB gun. And, and everybody says to him, yo, poke your eye out. And, and so they watched the Christmas uh, Carol or the Christmas story together and enjoyed that. And then they went out and the two of them spent the rest of the day playing with those BB guns, shooting stuff out in the yard and in the back, uh, the back with the BB guns and just having a good time. And, and I will bet you that that little girl has never forgotten that Christmas year. You know, she's never forgotten that gift that she was told she was going to receive. It was just this special moment with, a, with some special people in, in a special circumstance, and it was memorable. Well, this morning we're going to come to Luke chapter 1, starting at verse 46, and, and we're going to see another memorable Christmas uh, get-together. 
together. You know, last week we talked about how Mary made her way to visit with Elizabeth. Elizabeth was six months pregnant with the prophesied, uh, the prophesied uh, heralder of the Christ, the, the one who had come like Elijah, the prophet, who would, who would uh, announce the coming of Christ. He would be the forerunner to Christ. He was John the Baptist. And Elizabeth was six months pregnant with him. And Mary was only days after having conceived of Christ. And, and she made her way to go see Elizabeth. And the two of them, when they met, the Holy Spirit came on Elizabeth. And, and Elizabeth began to prophesy and declare that Mary was blessed because of the child that was within her. And for the first time ever, a person had announced that Jesus was Lord. And, and even though Jesus was only days after conception in Mary's womb, Elizabeth declared, who am I that I should be blessed by the presence of my Lord? And, and, uh, and she began to praise. And, and when, when Mary entered the presence of Elizabeth, John the Baptist began his ministry. Six months in his mother's womb, he leapt and he, he praised God and filled with the Spirit. He was basically announcing already the presence of Jesus, the Savior. And Mary will now, we're going to come to Luke 1, verse 46, and Mary's going to respond to all this. Mary is going to sing a song of praise. She's going to enter into a place of worship, and this song of praise is going to come from a place deep within her. Her soul will cry out, her spirit will cry out, and she will just praise God. God. And I want to talk a minute about what praise is and worship. I mean, there are a lot of definitions of worship. The scriptural definition of worship is where we, it comes to us by way of the book of Romans, where it says that our spiritual act of worship is to offer our bodies to God as a living sacrifice. Well, when we think of worship, we're usually thinking of the idea of singing and, and praising God, and, and we're thinking of the idea of praise. And I just want to give you what I would call my definition for what singing and praising to God is. And here you go. You might even write this down off to the side somewhere in a note somewhere. It's When I think of praise... I would define it this way. Praising God is where we see God for who he is. And we see ourselves before him. And we tell him so. Let me say that one more time. When we praise God, we're seeing God for who he is. And for who we are before him. And we tell him so. We see how awesome and how great and how grand he is. And, and we see how small we are before him. And, and we tell him how great he is. We see how good, how perfect he is. And we see how broken and flawed we are. And we tell him so. We see how full of grace and forgiveness he is. And we see our need for his grace and forgiveness. And we tell him so. And these thoughts, uh, when we enter into his presence and we realize how great he is, and we realize how big he is, how good he is, how forgiving he is, how graceful he is, how merciful he is, and we realize who we are when we're in his presence and we tell him so, it's almost hard for us not to bring it out in song. It's almost hard for us not to bring it out in praise. There's something about singing, something theological, something spiritual, something that happens when we sing. I mean, we love to worship and sing, and, and singing sometimes drags something from deep within. It drags it up and dredges it up and, and pulls it out of us. Singing is something, actually, we're commanded to do in our worship of God. God will often tell us to sing, to sing to the Lord, the Scripture says. Sing praise to His holy name. 
name, the scripture says. Sing praises to God, scripture tells us. Sing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs to God, the scriptures will say. The Bible will even paint a picture for those of us who are in Christ, who will be with him in all of eternity. It will paint a picture of us worshiping through song and praising through song. And, and here's what we will be singing, something along the lines of blessing and honor and glory and power belong to the one sitting on the throne and to the lamb forever. And I don't know if you noticed, but remember my definition? When we praise and when we worship and when we sing to God, we are praising by realizing who he is and who we are before him. And here's what we're singing. Blessing and honor and glory and power belong to the one sitting on the throne and the lamb forever. That's who he is. And we're standing before him and we're, we're praising him and we're singing to him. And, and if you think about it, think about the way music affects you. Now, music, I think, affects everyone differently. Not everyone is uh, really into music, but just about all of us, well, we like music of one sort or another, and we listen to music of one sort or another, and we, uh, we use music to help us commemorate moments. We use music to dredge up emotions. We use music and, and singing to help us along and to encourage us to lift us up or maybe even to vent emotions i mean singing is a is a very deep and spiritual experience music is very deep and spiritual and think of your favorite songs you know they take you back to a place and to a moment or to a feeling when you listen to them you know i listen to some music and it takes me back to when i was a kid playing with my friends or it takes me back to high school and some of the experiences i had in high school or it takes me back to college depending on what you know music i'm listening to and and there's music that takes me right to the throne of jesus and there's music that you know i like to listen to when I'm exercising because it helps me like get energized and and get some motivation and there's music I like to listen to when I just want to chill and relax or even music I want to listen to when I'm thinking when I'm wanting to be more reflective there's just there's music is a part of our lives and worship is a part of our lives and 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 it can really well up some stuff from deep inside i i think of the way that uh, the star spangled banner just it gets me you know i i go to a ball game and they have you stand and and you put your your hat on your heart and your hand really but your hat's usually in your hand because you took it off and and uh, and the flag goes up and someone sings a beautiful version of it and man sometimes that can just get tears welling up in your eyes you know you could just start to feel that 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 emotion and that experience that go with that song and and uh, you could see why God would say listen I want part of your worship to be from the heart from the soul I want it to come out of you in praise and when I look at uh, the praise that Mary praises here, the song that Mary sings here that comes out of her as she's having this deep emotional experience with God. And, and in this moment where she's realizing that all these things are coming together. I mean, Gabriel, the angel has come to her and told her she was going to have a child, even though she was a virgin and that the Holy Spirit was going to bring this child about and that this child was going to be named Jesus, which means he will be the savior who will save people from their sins and and that this child would be God in the flesh and that this, this child would come about because uh, her conception will be from the Holy Spirit. I mean, there's, there's all kinds of things that have been running around in Mary's head and now Elizabeth is praising her, calling her baby to be the Lord and John the Baptist in her womb is leaping and jumping and all this stuff is coming together. Mary just says, I gotta praise God. I gotta worship Worship. I gotta I gotta lift my soul to him and sing about who he is because now I'm starting to see who I am in his presence. And that's what worship is. That's why we worship, because we realize 
who he is. I mean, my whole sermon today could be summed up in that sentence. Why do I worship? Because I realize who he is and who I am before him. And I realize that he deserves it from me. Well, Mary in her praise is going to remind me of some words that we read in the book of Exodus. Exodus chapter 34, verse 6 to 7 is where God will introduce himself to Moses. You could maybe say, possibly, that this is one of the most important verses of all of the Old Testament. Now, I believe all of the the scriptures are the word of God, and all scripture comes from God, and all scripture is important. But there does seem to be some, uh, and every word is there for, for a specific reason. And I believe that God made sure that every little uh, part of scripture that's there is there for a reason. But there does seem to be some scriptures that just stand out as big, as 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 momentous as as scriptures that should be sort of like if if you don't know any of them know this one well exodus 34 6 to 7 seems to be like one of those for the old testament i remember one person said that uh, th- that this verse is sort of like the john 3:16 for the old testament this is where god introduces himself and he says here's what i'm like he doesn't just tell us his name but he tells us who he is. He tells us what his character is and what he's like and and how he is. And he says this in Exodus 34, 6 to 7. He says, Yahweh, the Lord, I am the God of compassion and mercy. I am slow to anger and I'm filled with unfailing love and faithfulness. I lavish unfailing love to a thousand generations. I forgive iniquity, rebellion, and sin. But I don't excuse the guilty. I lay the sins of the parents upon their children and their grandchildren. And the entire family is affected. And even the children to the third and fourth generations. Now, that can get a little confusing. But basically what God is saying here is that, listen, I'm this God who forgives. And I'm a God who is is good. And I'm a God who is characterized, first off, by compassion and mercy. But don't get me wrong. I, I still stand as the judge of all and and I will make sure that I right all wrongs if you if you have a struggle understanding the last part of those verses that's basically what he's saying and then in this moment after God introduces himself to Moses you know how Moses responds in verse 8 right after that it says this Moses immediately threw himself on the ground and worshiped You see, worship is what we do when we realize who God is and who we are in his presence. And the natural response should be worship and praise. And this is the kind of worship and praise that is a result of realizing who God is. And and Mary is going to have a very similar experience here in Luke. In Luke chapter 1, verse 46 to 55 almost sounding like Moses when he explains how God described himself. I mean, Mary will cover the bases here. She will she will touch on just about every one of these ideas that God says who he is, and Mary is, is going to sing to him and realize this is indeed who he is. He's brought this baby into her life who is the Lord, and now she's going to praise God. And here's what she says. If you have a Bible, open it up to Luke 46 verses uh, for or sorry Luke chapter 1 verses 46 to 55 and and let's read it together here's what she says oh how my soul praises the Lord how my spirit rejoices in God my Savior for he took notice of his lowly servant girl and from now on all generations will call me blessed for the mighty one is holy and he has done great things for me he shows mercy from generation to generation to all who fear him. His mighty arm has done tremendous things, and he has scattered the proud and the haughty ones. He had brought down princes from their thrones, and he's exalted the humble. 
He has filled the hungry with good things. He has sent the rich away with empty hands. He's helped his servant Israel and remembered to be merciful, for he made his promise to our ancestors, to Abraham and to his children forever. And this morning, what I want to do is I just want to look through this song, and I want to uh, very briefly on each point, I want to briefly talk about seven reasons that Mary gives us here for worshiping the Lord, seven reasons for praising him, seven reasons that we would sing to him and, and worship him. And every one of these points this morning is all going to be about realizing who he is and who we are before him and how it gives us reason to praise. Well, let's dive in. All right. Seven things, seven reasons why we worship. Number one, we worship and we sing because he is the Lord. He introduces himself to Moses saying, I am Yahweh, the Lord. Really what he does there is he repeats himself twice. He says, my name is, I am Yahweh. I'm Yahweh. I'm the Lord. I'm the Lord. And here in verse 46, Mary says, oh, how my soul praises the Lord. Uh, again, we see here the idea of singing and praising and worshiping that comes from the soul. It comes from a place deep within us. Uh, sometimes when we sing, it's like pulling something in there, down, that's down in there. It's like pulling it up and, and bringing it out in praise and in worship. And she praises because he is the Lord. Jesus is the God of Exodus 34. God introduces himself saying, Yahweh the Lord. And Jesus is this God who is. He's the living God. He's the personal God. He's the Lord of Lords. And we realize that, that he is the Lord. And when we're in his presence, he's the Lord and we're not. We realize that he's the Lord and we are to be his subject. We realize that he has the authority and the power and the position of the Lord. And that warrants my praise. That, that warrants my songs. That, that warrants me worshiping him. When I acknowledge him as my Lord, I'm acknowledging not only that he is the Lord, but he's my Lord. I'm yielding myself to his lordship. And that brings me to a place where I sing his praise. Sometimes our lack of willingness to sing, our lack of willingness to worship or to praise, maybe even at church, sometimes that doesn't come from a place of, well, I'm, I'm just not built that way, or, or I'm just afraid to sing, or I don't like to sing, or I'm not good at singing, which is something I can understand. Sometimes it doesn't come from there, though. Sometimes it's really coming from a place of rebellion. Because the same person that might say, oh, I don't sing. Well, I'll bet you they sing in their shower or they sing in their car to their favorite songs because they do like to sing. They do want to sing. There are times where they'll sing. And sometimes we don't sing because, well, we have an unwillingness to sing to the Lord. Maybe we have rebellion in our hearts. Maybe we have a resentment. Maybe you're at a place where you're mad at God and you don't want to sing to him. Or, or a place uh, where, well, maybe I don't understand quite yet. Maybe I haven't stood before him. Maybe I don't really see him as Lord yet and understand that I'm standing before him. Well, I, I became a, a Christian late in high school and and, you know, I've been a Christian for a long time now, actually more than half my life. And uh, I've been a pastor almost half of my life. And, and, you know, I can understand having times where maybe there's rebellion or resentment or frustration and times where you just don't want to sing. I, I get it because I've had those moments myself. And yes, a, a pastor can have those moments, you know, moments where maybe there was a, a sin in my heart and I wasn't ready to repent. And I, so I didn't want to sing or, or a moment where I was uh, frustrated or upset about something and I didn't feel like singing or worshiping. Uh, but but, but you know what? Worshiping Jesus isn't about 
where I am or how I feel or what's happening in my life. Because if I realize I'm standing in the presence of the Lord, I realize that it's about Him. It's about how He deserves me to worship and to sing. It's about praising Him. And a lot of us a lot of us come to Christ when we first make our decisions. We do it for all kinds of variety of reasons, you know, and, and, and I'm not going to say any one reason is less valid than another. A lot of us become Christians because, well, maybe we had fear. I would tell you that my first decision to accept Christ came out of fear. It was because I was afraid of going to hell. I realized how sinful I was and how broken I was, and I realized that if uh, if I were to die right then and there or at any moment uh, and face God that he would have to send me to hell because of my sinfulness and brokenness. And so that fear led me to a place to where I wanted to accept the gift of heaven from Christ. I wanted to accept the forgiveness that he had to give. And, and my fear led me to Christ, which is, I think, a very valid way to come to Christ. Uh, I hope so, because it was my experience, you know. And, and there are other th- ways that people are drawn to make a decision. Some people are drawn to Christ because of his love, which is also there. He he loves us so much that the picture of the cross is a picture of the love that God has for sinful, broken people. And, and maybe you were led to Christ because you were drawn to him by the love that Christ had for you. And that love just compelled you to say yes to Jesus. Well, other people become Christians because, well, they wanted that hope that God offers. Maybe they found themselves in a place where they were drawn to and and the hope of Christ appealed to them and and drew them in and they wanted hope of heaven and hope of eternal life and hope of forgiveness and and that hope is what initially drew them to Christ other people maybe they became Christians because of the logic of it or the apologetics or the answers to all their questions that were in it they started seeking God and and seeking the truth and the truth of Christ just was evident to them and and drew them in there's even some famous people who were skeptics and as they studied to disapprove Christianity and Christ they actually ended up converting themselves as the truth of Christ ended up drawing them to make a decision but no matter where you or how you are compelled to make your first time decision to follow Jesus all of us eventually get to a place where we have another decision to make and the decision is now that we've said yes to Jesus we realize that we need to make him our Lord now when we said yes to him we were doing that but I think a lot of times no matter how we were drawn to him we realize at some point that making him Lord is actually letting him rule our life, is actually letting him call the shots. It's it's letting him make the decisions. And once we realize that he is the Lord, and by the way, when we make him Lord, and I have, I'm making quotes in the air, it, we're not making him anything. We're simply acknowledging it for ourselves, realizing that he is Lord, and we're not, uh, we're not little L lords, you know, who rule it over our own little worlds, but he is the Lord who rules over all and and he's my Lord and and as my Lord, I need to yield to him, obey him, serve him and put him first in my life. And all of us, no matter how we came to Christ, come to a place where we need to realize he is Lord. And when we realize he's Lord, no matter where we're at, how we're feeling, we realize that there are times where we should just open our mouth and praise the Lord. Well, that's number one. And number two is this, that that we praise him and we sing to him and we worship him because he is my Savior. Now, I like the way that Mary will put it in her song. In verse 47, she will sing out how my spirit rejoices in God, my Savior. You'll notice that as Mary describes her rejoicing and her praising, she'll talk about how it comes from her soul, from her spirit, from deep within. And she praises God, not just the Savior or a Savior or or the world's Savior, but God, 
my Savior is a very personal moment for her. She's praising already her Savior uh, before he's even born and while he's in her womb. In verses 44 to 55, she'll sing out about God's mercy and, and how she she needs his mercy. She sings out and says uh, he has helped his servant, remembered to be merciful, for he made promises and he's keeping them to his children forever. And I want to focus on this idea of my Savior. We talk about Jesus' name, meaning he saves people from their sins. We talk about Jesus being the expected Savior of Israel. We talk about Jesus being the Savior of the world. And we quote John three sixteen for God so loved the world. But really, what matters to me is Jesus is my Savior. Because until he's my Savior, none of the rest matters. I need to know him as my Savior. And when I know him as my Savior and I see who he is and who I am before him, you know, he's the Savior and I'm the one needing saving. He's the Savior and I'm the one who, who needs rescuing and, and who needs redeeming. And, and he is the one who saves us. And so we praise him and knowing him as our Savior should lead us to a place to where we praise and we want to sing to him because he's my Savior. And, and more than anyone, I I don't know how you need saving. I don't know how the world needs saving. I mean, I know some of the brokenness of the world and, and maybe I know a little bit about your life and some of your brokenness and some of your needs, but more than anyone, I know how I need saving. And, and man, it makes me want to sing when I realize that he's my savior. And number three is he notices me. I worship him and I praise him because he notices me. And he notices you. Look at what Mary says in verse 48. For he took notice of his lowly servant girl. Now Mary, we know, was a poor girl from a poor town and someone that the world probably would have never noticed at all. Nobody from nowhere to do nothing of significant. I mean, I mean, that's the way the world would have looked at Mary at the time. But God, she says, took notice of me. God sees me. She says he notices me. And, and, and God loves to work in people's lives who the world thinks are, are, are nobodies from nowhere, going to do nothing of significance. And he loves to work in little people's lives to bring about big things. And here he notices Mary and he is going to work in Mary's life. And that, she says, is praiseworthy. Here's some praiseworthy thoughts. I mean, talk about realizing who God is and who I am before him. God is the all-knowing God. He knows everything. He's eternal. He's always existed. I mean, he knows history and can read the history of the entire world just as a book. Uh, like for him, it's nothing. Uh, he's seen it all go by. He knows every moment and every intricate happening. And, and he knows everything about the world. He is, he is all-knowing. He is omniscient. And he's omnipresent. And he knows everything about anything about everything. Uh, he knows all that's ever happened. All that will happen in this world. And, and he knows all about your life. He knows everything about you. That, that's why I think the Bible describes it as when he... He looks at us. It's like everything's being laid bare. It's like we stand before him naked because he sees everything about us. He notices everything about us. And, and here Mary says he notices me. Now, here's some things he knows about you and me. He knows the good in our life. He knows all of the good moments, the great moments, the happy moments, the joyful moments. He also knows the hurts in our life. He knows the hard things that have happened, the difficult moments, the, the, the tragedies, the, the, the painful moments, the sufferings. And he also knows the bad things that 
that I've done. He knows what's deep down in my heart. And some, you know, he knows more about me than I know about me. He knows what's in my heart before I even really know about it or think about it. And, and he knows how many hairs are on my head, which, which I don't, I don't have a whole lot, but I've got enough up there that I don't want to count. And, 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 and he knows, he knows the ins and the outs of everything about me, the good and the bad, the thoughts, the deep thoughts. He knows it all. But here's the cool part. As I stand before him, he accepts me. He welcomes me. He invites me. He draws me. He wants me to be with him. And that should bring us to a place of worship and a, and a place of praise, a pr place where we want to, uh, to just sing out loud about the greatness of God. And not only does he notice me, but the next one is this. Number four is that we worship and we sing and we praise him because he shows us favor. Mary sings out. And now, from now on, for all generations, they're going to call me blessed. He has this calling for her. He has a calling for you and for your life and plans to bless you and to show you his grace and to show you his favor and plans to show you the riches of Christ in your life. And in verse 49, she says, he has done great things for me. I mean, we sing this song, you know, God has done great things for me, great things he has done. And, and in the New Testament, it will teach us that every good thing in our life has been a result of God in our life. He has given us every good thing, every great thing that we've ever had. He has blessed us with every blessing we've ever had. He has, he has, he has given us every good thing. And on top of the things that we might think of, I mean, because usually we think of good things and great things. I mean, uh, you know, during elk season this year, I had the chance to harvest an elk and uh, and man when I made that shot and that elk fell over I fell on my knees and I praised God and I said God thank you for blessing me with this good thing and we think of good things like that where God has blessed us with something good you know uh, maybe it's it's your your family and the good things God has brought to you into your life through your family maybe it's your home and you have a nice warm dry place to live and to sleep and and a safe place and, and maybe it's that you have food on the table and and not just some food but a variety of foods you almost can eat whatever you want to eat and and God has brought good things into your life and maybe you have people around you that love you and care about you and pray for you and you have good things in your life maybe you have a good job or you have a job uh, and uh, I mean there are just so many good things we think of but the really good things are things like this that God has given you his own son. He's given you the life of his own son to draw you into a relationship with him. That he has given you a position and a place in his kingdom. That he has given you the opportunity to know hope and heaven and love. That he has given you the opportunity to be a part of, of his kingdom, to be a part of his family. That he has offered you a chance to be called a son of God or a daughter of God. Man, he has given us so many good things. And that alone should be enough to draw us to a place to where we want to praise and we want to say God you are so good you are so great you're a giver of blessings and you're a giver of good gifts and God you've done so much good for me I see you for who you are and I see myself standing before you as recipient of your goodness God you are good and I praise you because you're good so number four is I praise because he shows me favor and number five is this uh, I praise and I worship and I sing to him because well his greatness makes him able you know Solomon teaches us that the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom fear 
It, it comes from realizing just how great and how awesome and how mighty he is. You know, Mary in her song talks about those who fear the Lord. He blesses those who fear the Lord. He takes care of and he forgives. And, and there's something to be said for fear of the Lord. And I've had people who were Christians tell me, well, I don't really have to fear God. And, you know, I mean, I, I've come to Christ and I have nothing to fear. And, and there is something to be said for even God teaches us that perfect love casts out all fear. But there is still a, a level of respect that comes from realizing just who this God we worship is. It, it's sort of like when you stand at the edge of the Grand Canyon. Now, I've never stood at the edge of the Grand Canyon. I've read about it and I've seen pictures of it. And, and you know, and, and I've heard people tell me about it. And they say, man, you just you stand at the edge of that big old canyon and you realize how big it is, how awesome it is. And, and there is maybe a sense of fear where you realize just how small you are in this big expanse, in this place. And, you know, maybe fear of falling and fear of fear. If you don't respect the place where you're standing, uh, there, there, there could be real danger. And so there's there's a fear there. Now, I haven't been to the Grand Canyon, but I have been to Niagara Falls. I've been there many times. I grew up maybe 45 minutes away from there in a day where you didn't need a passport to cross the border. Man, I used to go there all the time. We took school trips there. I went there with friends and family, and, and you'd go to Niagara Falls, and and I'll be honest, I've stood at the, at the falls right next to the falls. I've stood on the river above the falls. I've been on boats right up to the, the base where the falls were falling and yeah there's a healthy fear that happens there you realize you should respect them falls you should respect that water and all the power that's there and and the might and and man it, it can be something where you say if I don't treat this place with care and with fear and and if I'm not careful here uh this can be a dangerous place. And I'm not afraid that the falls were going to jump out at me, you know, just like I'm not afraid that God's just going to start throwing lightning bolts at me. I don't think that's what the fear of God is. What the fear of God is, is where we realize how great and awesome and that he's this sovereign God, that he's this most powerful God, that he's this mighty God. I mean, the, the Grand Canyon, he created that in a moment with words. The Niagara Falls, he created that in a moment with words. I mean, those were like nothing compared to who he is. And there should be this, this level of respect that comes in his presence where we say, I want to be on the right side of this God. I want to be on the right side of my relationship with him because, man, he is the mighty one. I mean, that's what Mary will say. She will praise him and sing to him. She will say, for the mighty one is holy. And there there again, there's another reason for this fear. I mean, he's holy. I see him as perfect, as good, as without sin, as holy. And then I see who I am. I stand before him as unholy, as imperfect, as broken and marred by sin and yet I stand before him with this reverent fear understanding Jesus offers me the opportunity to stand before him and to be in his presence because of his holiness and his goodness that he gives to me. Mary will say again in verse 51, he has this mighty arm and he's done tremendous things and and so he's worthy of praise. He's worthy of my worship because his greatness makes him able to do whatever he says he's going to do, makes him able to do whatever he promises he'll do, makes him able to do whatever he wants. And so he's worthy of praise because what he said is he said that he will one day judge all men. What he said is that he will forgive us of our sins in the person of Jesus Christ. What he said is if we trust him and follow him and worship him, we will be his and on the right side in our relationship with him. And so we praise and we worship because here we are before this mighty and awesome God. Number six is he shows me mercy and grace. And because he shows me mercy and grace, I will praise him. In verse 50, Mary sings, he shows mercy 
from generation to generation to all who fear him. When God introduced himself to Moses, he told Moses that this is the greatest attribute I have. I am Yahweh, Yahweh, filled with compassion and mercy. Filled with compassion and mercy. There is great, greatest qualities. He is a merciful God. And maybe you're here this morning and, and you could use his mercy. You realize you need his mercy. He's a merciful God who cares about you, who's willing to show you mercy, even when the world isn't. I mean, the world can be very unmerciful. The world will not show you the kind of mercy God will show you. The world will condemn you. The world will look at you in your brokenness and, and remind you of it. The world will look at your uh, brokenness and your sin and, and, and it will condemn you and not let you off the hook. But God, he shows great mercy and he's filled with compassion for you. And maybe you're here and there's something in your life that you know you need God's mercy for. I just want you to know he wants to show you mercy because he's a merciful God filled with compassion for you and, and love for you. And, and he wants to give you his grace. And when you realize that God is filled with compassion and mercy and you realize who you are as someone who needs it and you're before him, that makes you want to sing praise and worship him as Lord. And number seven, the final one is this, that we worship him because he is the ruler of all. Mary sings in verse 52, he has brought down princes from their thrones and he has exalted the humble. I mean, he's the sovereign God overall. He's this sovereign Lord who's bigger than our world. He's outside of our world, and yet he still is involved in our world. He's the ruler of all, the controller of all. He is the king of kings, the Lord of lords. All things are in his hands, and, and he's the judge over all the earth. And the Bible teaches us that God is sovereign, and he's providential, and that God is even over all the kings of the worlds and all the kingdoms of the worlds and, and the kingdoms of earth they will rise and they will fall and and kings will rise and presidents will be elected and and, and presidents will be reelected and kings will fall and presidents will fall and and the rich and powerful will rise and and the rich and powerful will also fall the bible tells us that one day every knee will bow and that the throne of jesus is a throne that will never fall it lasts forever. One day, there will only be one kingdom left. One kingdom made up of the people who are all parts of every kingdom of the world. Every tribe, every nation, every tongue. They will all cry out and confess that Jesus is Lord. People of every race, every language, every people group, every ethnic group will all be under the one rule of this one king. They are now, they just don't realize it quite yet. On that day, they will, and King Jesus will rule. He will rule over all. We call this baby, who's still yet to be born as Mary sings, Lord, because he rules forever. Those who are proud, those who are kings, those who are exalted in this world, he will humble. But did you notice what Mary said? He exalts the humble. Those who fear him are those who humble themselves before him in this life, and they will be exalted in the next. And here's the thing, those who humble themselves before him in praise, in worship, who humble themselves and open their mouths to tell him who he is as they realize who they are before him. And then they tell him so in praise. Those who do that will be exalted. Why do we worship him? 
We worship him because we realize just who this Jesus who's Lord is. That he deserves it. And we don't tell him who he is because he needs to hear it. He already knows it. We tell him who he is because it's us reminding our hearts so that we know it. Because we're the ones who need to know it. We're the ones who we're teaching. We're the ones who we're leading as we sing and as we praise and we worship him. We tell him we realize who we are before him. And in doing that, we're humbling ourselves before him. And when we humble ourselves before him, he exalts us. And so we praise. And I want to pray with you right now. And let's just praise him together. Dear Lord, we come before you and we realize you are Lord. And you are our saviors. You are my savior. And God, you see me. I'm so grateful and thankful that even though you see everything about me, you still accept me and receive me. And God, I'm thankful and I praise you because you are so mighty and powerful and you are so holy and good and pure. And you share that goodness with me. And you do it out of your mercy and out of your grace. You give me something I do not deserve. God, I know I'm broken and sinful and fallen before you, and, and yet you give me grace and mercy and compassion, and I'm so grateful, and I praise you, Jesus. I worship you, and I give you glory because of who you are. And God, I'm so thankful that we can know, we can know you, that you invite us into your presence even though you are so great and powerful, even though you are so big, and even though I'm so small, in comparison, even though I'm so insignificant, I'm just one out of billions on this earth. Yet, you see me and you invite me and you love me. You care for me. God, you're so big. And I'm, I'm just in awe in your presence. And I give you praise. We all give you praise. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Everybody said together, amen. Well, I want to say thank you for joining me this morning in worship. Uh, in, in this time where we talk about praise. And maybe uh, I want to encourage you, maybe something you could do. I, I know we don't have music as part of our online teaching time. and Partly is because of resources. Uh, we don't have the ability or, or the musicians or uh, we, we don't have the resources to put something together that would be done well uh, for you to worship with. But maybe today, after this time together, maybe just turn on some Christmas music. Not, not necessarily like the, the new Christmas music, the Santa baby, you know, that stuff. But, but turn on some music that's, that's the old Christmas hymns that talk about the coming of Christ and, and praising God and, and, uh, and worship of Christ. And, and, and maybe use that this week as a time to just sing along and to worship God. Uh, want to encourage you to do that. Uh, also, uh, just want to make a quick mention. I know I don't have like all the the um, the TV with me up here. I'm gonna I want to share this uh, Christmas with you. I'm gonna sit in front of this tree for the next uh, week or two for our uh, all our worship times and. You know, I just want to kind of have more of a relaxing, let's get together and let's uh, have a teaching and worship. I do want to mention, though, that uh, if you want to join us in, in supporting this online teaching time and supporting Vernonia Church, you're welcome to do that. Uh, you know, one of the easiest ways you could do that is go to www.vernonia.church and there is a give tab on the website there that you can hit and uh, you could set up giving there. You could support, you could help support in any way, shape or form you want to. 
Uh, also want to mention we are doing our, our Christmas offering where we're raising money to pay off uh, the loan on our on our building. Uh, we're calling it Drop a Digit. We owe $102,000 on this building, and we want to drop that one at the beginning of it and drop down to 97000 So we're going to try to raise that $5,000 to, uh, to, to pay down and drop that digit. Uh, and uh, we're also going to give $1,000 to OCEF, that's Oregon uh, Christian Evangelistic Fellowship. They're church planters here in Oregon that plant churches all over Oregon. They're also helping do turnaround church work to help uh, churches that are struggling and maybe possibly dying. Maybe they'll have to close their doors, but uh, bringing in new pastors to help turn them around and, and working together with them to turn them around to, into vibrant and uh, healthy churches. So we're going to support OCEF with our Christmas offering. We're also going to support Boise Bible College with our Christmas offering uh, by giving a, about $1,000 to them as well. And, and that's helping uh, support the next generation of preachers and teachers and Bible, uh, uh, Bible scholars who are going to be sharing with the next generation. And so uh, we want to support Boise Bible College as well with our online giving uh, this year or with our, with our Christmas offering this year. So if you want to give to the Christmas offering, you're welcome to join us in doing that. Uh, pray about maybe what God is going to lead you to do when it comes to Christmas offering. Uh, one of the things I always encourage people to think about is think about the most expensive gift you're going to buy someone you love. And then just match that for Jesus and give it to the Christmas offering. And so if you want to join us in that, you're more than welcome to do so. Uh, that said, uh, I want to declare it's been a great day. Uh, I want to also say... Merry Christmas. I hope you have a great Christmas season, and um, I'm asking God to bless you this Christmas season. And so uh, I just want to count to three and invite you to join me in declaring it's been a great day. And, uh, and so let's do that right now. One, two, three. It's been a great day. Hey, I hope you have a great day. And again, Merry Christmas.